uh, now f- with our um, We Believe series through the Nicene Creed. I'm going to pick up um, where Danny left off last week. And after we've broken bread, we're just going to take a few minutes. I think what I'm not going to do this morning, what every preacher does, is preach, open up the passages, and then give some applications. So what? What does it mean for my life? What are you asking me to do as a result of this text that we've looked at this morning? Um, what we're going to do in, 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 with our application this morning is, is discuss it in a kind of small group setting with some uh, men and women on the platform over a few minutes. So I'm going to invite one or two of you. Uh, Carlo. Hey, Carlo. Carlo. Welcome, mate. I need an evangelist on the panel this morning in a few minutes. So uh, you'll you need to listen. Um, and uh, I think da- Darren Spill's going to come in and join us. I think he's with the Connect Group. And... Uh, who else have I got? Let's see. Hannah Drew, are you going to help me, Hannah? Yeah. Great. And uh, I don't know, Kenny, are you going to help as well this morning? Yeah. Okay, great. So, Carlo, what, I'm going to, what we're going to do is a little bit of application, a little bit of how-to after the sermon um, about what does it mean for my life. You don't have to have studied it, prepped it. Hopefully it models something of kind of how do we handle these things in a small group setting or even when I open a Bible on my own or with friends or, or family. Anyway, we believe... Uh, is the creed, and we've been going through some uh, statements that we say as disciples of Jesus that we believe in. This morning I pick up where Danny left off, uh, and I'm looking with regard to Jesus Christ. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Um, It's a remarkable passage. Lord, we pray would you help us now, just in a few minutes. Lord, as I preach in a few minutes what I would normally take a series to do, looking at what happens when we die, the return of Jesus, uh, the present heaven, the eternal heaven on earth, uh, final judgment and hell. Lord, would you help us just to catch something of your heart for us in these things this morning? Would you equip us with truths that we can dig into? And most of all, that will transform our hearts and lives and ambitions for the sake of your glorious kingdom. Amen. Okay, I'm going to just read some headline scriptures that, we, that will shape and inform where we go this morning. First of all, Acts 1, um, and I'll pick up at verse 9. Danny looked at the resurrection, um, and uh, wonderful, really prophetic message for us as a church from the resurrection. He was supposed to talk about the ascension as well. He didn't. We'll forgive him that. It's okay. It was a great message. Um, as Jesus was with his disciples after he's been raised from the dead, Acts 1.9, he's told them to wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit's poured out. Uh, After he said this, uh, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. Hallelujah. Um, Turn with me if you can find it. It's one of those uh, little letters of Paul that's harder to find. 1 Thessalonians. uh, We'll pick up in chapter 4. I love preaching through 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. So much in there on the return of Jesus. Answers so many of our questions. Paul's responding to a question from the church in Thessalonica about what happens to those who've already died before Jesus comes back. Uh, And his summary in verse 15 says this. According to the Lord's own word, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.15, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. That's his language for having died already. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. 
After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Have a look around. It's supposed to be an encouragement for us. Um, Turn with me briefly to Revelation 20. Um, Again, just pulling out some verses that give us a little framework this morning. The creed speaks about the judgment to come. And we'll pick up uh, verse 11 um, in this this amazing, poetic, symbolic, apocalyptic picture of what happens around the time of the return of Jesus. Uh, Verse 11 of chapter 20. Then, this is John speaking uh, of what he sees in this vision. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they've done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead and all that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead and all that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he's done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I'm just going to carry on a few verses into 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling place of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and he will be their God and he'll wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Whoa, doesn't it get in your spirit, even just reading the scriptures? Wonderful. Oh, did I hear a hallelujah there, by the way, if there's some believers here this morning? This is our hope, friends. And just uh, again, a couple of verses at the end of 22. Um, I love the language that John uh, uses here. Then the spirit and the bride, that's the church of Jesus Christ. The spirit and the bride say, come. And And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty... Let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Our response, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people forever. Wow. So, um, as I say, normally this kind of stuff, I teach over a series. We'll come to that at some point. Um, But for this morning... Um, the creed is really helpful, actually, because it gives us the flow of the, the narrative of the, of the good news about Jesus. In the creed and in the, the, the scriptures that the creed points to, we find the truth about Jesus, as we've seen over the last few weeks, coming from heaven to earth, uh, living a perfect sinless life, dying on the cross for our sakes, suffering, crucified, buried for our sins. As we heard last week, raised up uh, into life um, we rise with him, wonderful, he's ascended into heaven, he's the first, firstborn from among the dead, the first fruits we get to follow in his footsteps one day. He's now seated at the right hand of God the Father, all authority is his, everything's under his feet, he's interceding for us right now, he's patiently waiting and working so that no one should perish, he's coming back soon. That's the hope 
of the scriptures. This time when he comes back, it's not going to be in obscurity, in a stable somewhere, just a few knowing about it uh, somewhere in Bethlehem. This time, as we've read, it's with a loud shout, a trumpet blast. This time he's going to wrap up everything uh, from the whole of creation. He's going to bring about a restoration of all things. He's going to judge the living and the dead, and he's going to make everything new. Uh, This is what we believe, believers. Uh, It's the full gospel. I had a great conversation uh, yesterday. We were at a 25th uh, wedding anniversary party after the football. Get your priorities right. And I had a great conversation in the the garden with a guy. I was able to share the gospel with him. Uh, Really, really good, interesting, intriguing conversation. But I told him not only that Jesus died for his sins, but that Jesus is coming back soon. And uh, he was so intrigued. He was fascinated. He said, I want to hear more about this. It it amazes me. And I'm aware in my own sharing of the gospel, my own confidence in sharing the gospel, that so often I don't go on to that stuff. But this is the stuff we believe. And it either brings a wonderful hope to people or it does bring an offence. And I think the gospel, Jesus says, is supposed to do that. Friends, this is what the world needs to hear. Jesus died, why he died. He's been raised, why he's been raised, but that he's coming back and there's a judgment coming. These are beliefs that make us distinctive as followers of Jesus. I think if we just give the ABC of the gospel all the time, uh, we miss the major hope of the early church. It's infused in these pages. Not only that we rise again, but that Jesus is returning. We can't read the letters in the New Testament without catching, even the last verse of the whole Bible we read, you catch the hope and the hunger for the return of Jesus. Um, we're taught, we're taught by Jesus to watch and wait. We're taught never to take our hearts or our eyes off the fact that he's coming and he's coming soon. The spirit and the church, the bride, live with this constant tension of living in this world, serving this world, loving this world, but, but with a constant longing. Come, Lord Jesus. I, I believe that the Bible teaches us a, a literal return of Jesus. Acts 1.11, uh, the angel said to the disciples that, this, this physical Jesus you've seen, this man Jesus you've seen go to heaven, a, a man Jesus is coming back from heaven. If people tell you, oh, it's a, the return of Jesus, it's a, it's a spiritual, mystical thing. It's in our, he's returned in our hearts. Okay, well, of course, maybe they're speaking about an experience of Jesus by his spirit in some way, but we're expecting a literal, physical, uh, flesh and blood return of Jesus Christ. If someone tells you, oh yeah, Jesus came back in 1987 to that cult in, in the Nevada desert. No, that, that's not the return of Jesus. This literal, physical return of Jesus is something the second time around that we are all going to know about. Every eye is going to see, every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess. The Bible teaches that it could be any time. Can we come to a question in a moment? Or is it a Flesh and bones, flesh and blood, resurrection body. We'll, we'll, we'll come to that when we do some application. Thank you, Daniel. Um, the Bible teaches it could be any time. Um, they were waiting then, we're waiting now. Um, again, if you hear any theology that puts a firm date on the return of Jesus, there are some things that we can, we can uh, observe and some signs and seasons we can observe. Jesus teaches us that. But if someone says it's going to be the 27th of September, that's false theology. He's coming like a thief in the night, when we don't expect him 
the scriptures say. We, on Christmas Day 2002, our house was burgled, everything was stolen. To my knowledge, we never found a note from a thief saying when he was coming and what he was planning. That's not what a thief does. He takes you by surprise. Uh, when that day comes that we're waiting for, the Bible teaches that this same Jesus in his resurrection body will physically appear. He's going to come down through the clouds and we'll be caught up to meet him in the air if we're still alive. If we've died before Jesus returns, we'll return with him from the present heaven. This is the gospel, we believe. Jesus is coming, uh, coming he's taking us home. He's coming to make a new home. He's restoring all things. Um, well done, you're right there, Yvonne. Yeah, I've got a bad ankle. I'm sorry about that. We'll pray for you in a few minutes, hey? Can you pray for me? You know this walking thing, which is up and push along. Don't use them, because I went right over the top of it. I'm sorry about that, hey? We pray for you now, Yvonne. We pray for strength. Pray for strength to come to your ankle. Jesus loves you very much. Amen. Amen. So listen, Jesus is coming to take us home. You, your address right now, your postcode may be in Crawley. Some of you may be struggling to get on the housing ladder in Crawley. Um, you can be glad you have a home, a permanent home, a forever home. Jesus is coming back. He's going to make a home for us. And as we read in those amazing scriptures, it's a place of perfect peace. It's a place where there's no more tears it's a place where every pain is going to be wiped away. Every painful ankle is going to be healed. Um, it, it's waiting for us. And, and nothing here can compare with what we're going to taste and experience. And it's going to be without end. The passage we read in 1 Thessalonians uh, 4 tells us Jesus will descend. The dead in Christ will rise first. I believe, and others will differ, of course, on this, many views on, on how the mechanics of the return of Jesus are made up. My personal view is that the, the return of Jesus is a kind of one-time event. I believe that the, at the time when Jesus comes back, the stuff we read about in Revelation 20 to 22 happens at that time. Heaven coming down to earth, the last judgment, hell being opened up. Uh, I believe in a one-time event that we see from the, the scriptures. Um, of course, however... When Jesus comes back, if I've got it wrong, I'm not particularly going to worry. Jesus has come back. Equally, when Jesus comes back, if I was right, and those uh, who've, who've over-literally read Revelation and have come up with a different theology for how Jesus returns, I'm not going to get in their faces and say, you got it wrong. I think, uh, I was arguing with a brother-in-law yesterday, uh, watching the World Cup uh, quarterfinal. He was saying Raheem Sterling shouldn't be near the team. I was saying he's doing okay. Do you know what? At the end of the game, we were celebrating together because we're in a semi-final of the World Cup. It doesn't matter. We're so grateful. Uh, and how will it be with differing ideas and theologies on, on how Jesus returns? Hey, he's coming back in that moment. I think we'll lay down all our suppositions and presuppositions. We'll be so grateful and thankful. Jesus is coming soon. Uh, we we want to sing it we want to imagine it. Uh, we want to pray about it. been thinking this week again, every, uh, every unspoken longing, every unsatisfied hope, every yearning that we carry in our hearts, in our spirits, I, I think it's all designed to be a tiny taste, a, a microcosm of the greater homecoming and victory that is ours when Jesus Christ returns. That one day we'll celebrate and share in. Uh, even amazing days in our history, VE Day, 
um, the ends of wars, the Berlin Wall coming down, regime change. These are amazing moments that get documented and spread around the world, but they're, they're, they're just a tiny foretaste of the greater reality uh, that, that, that is the end of all those stories when Jesus Christ returns. Every homecoming, every reuniting of family that have been separate, every celebration, it's a taste of what it is going to be like when Jesus comes back for his church, who he loves and delights. In every wedding you go to, the spirit and the bride. Oh man, every time you see a, a bride walk down the aisle, shining and beautiful, and a husband turning around and he's... His jaw dropping, thinking, I'm with her? Wow, I punched above my weight. Every time you see that and hear those vows, we're anticipating, hungering, thirsting for the return of Jesus Christ. Every time we take communion, we're anticipating a feast one day where we're going to eat with Jesus and celebrate in his victory. And everything that we've ever lived for is vindicated. Can I hear a hallelujah, please? Wow, wonderful. All the, all the physical pain and struggle, everything re- restored, all the pain and struggle gone. Yeah, we, we get to inherit our resurrection bodies as well. Every emotional pain, every regret, every fear wiped away. And it's going on forever. The Lord's coming in his glory. Briefly, there's no fear of judgment. The creed uh, tries to teach us in, in that line. There will be a last judgment. Uh, as, a, as a young boy growing up in church, I used to be terrified of the last judgment. Will I be in? Will I be out? Will my name be written in the book? I've learned from the scriptures, if you're a disciple of Jesus, we don't need to fear the last judgment. There's no fear of judgment. If we're in Christ now, Romans 8.1 tells us, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The grace of God is absolutely outrageous. I've read earlier on in Romans, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, that's me. I should be in in the first judgment book. But I read later on, oh no, hallelujah, in Jesus Christ there's no condemnation for me. I'm a new creation. I've died to death. I've died to sin. I've died to the law. I've been raised to life with Christ Jesus. Yeah, there are judgment books that are going to be opened on that last day. It's going to be a terrible day. But hallelujah, our names are not written in those books. Ours are written in the Lamb's book of life. He's called the Lamb because he was the one that was sacrificed for us in order that our name can be rubbed out of one book and written into another book. There is no condemnation. The verdict is not guilty. If you're under fear as a disciple of Jesus, let's get the truth of the grace of God into us this morning. I love the old Wesley hymn. I've been singing it all this week uh, and annoying people um, as I've been preparing this. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed with righteousness divine. And what's the response? Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ, my own. Oh, friends, it doesn't mean my sin doesn't matter. My, my sin really, really matters. It matters so much. It's been heavy on me. Oh, but again, thank you, God, that my sin has been put heavily on Jesus and on his shoulders. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We're in him now. We've been raised to life with him. We don't need to live any longer in the guilt and the judgment that our sin leaves on us. If you're in Christ now, you've come into the perfect love of the Father through the Son, Jesus. And the Bible teaches us that perfect love casts out fear. So leave behind your fear of judgment this morning as we come to the communion table. Oh, I love Hebrews 9, 27. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, 
but to bring salvation for those who are waiting for him. That's our hope, friends, if you're waiting for Jesus as one of his disciples. He's already borne your sin once, but the dread of judgment has been taken from us now. Peter says it uh, beautifully. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new... Come on, you know your Bibles? Hope, yeah, say it confidently. It's okay, it's not a quiz. You won't be sent to the back. In his great mercy, he's given us new hope, new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade that's kept in heaven for you. Finally, the creed says this kingdom will never end. Um, I, I believe the present heaven comes down to a restored, renewed earth which has been groaning for our redemption so that it too can be redeemed. It's been waiting creation for this day. I believe the narrative of the Bible story which starts and ends in a garden, first in Eden, perfect, sinless relationship with God and a guilt-free, shame-free relationship between man and woman, husband, wife, friends. And then we get the parallel, the new heaven, the new earth, the restored earth, a, a garden coming down, garden city coming down from heaven, Revelation tells us. Again, once again, finally, no more sin, no more shame, no more tears. And again, the Lord perfectly present at the centre face-to-face with people like you and me, now called sinless men and women. I I believe this is our future on the new restored earth, working, celebrating, eating, uh, stewarding, tending, caring, exploring, writing, playing great music, running, enjoying everything that God has given us, but now perfectly without any of the, the, the distortion and dislocation of sin. Everything perfectly restored and reset back to uh, how it was in the first instance when God created things and said, it is good and perfectly good. Jesus is coming to make this new home for us and it will be without end. This is the hope of the believer. Let me just finish before we break bread and then do some application together. Um, C.S. Lewis's books. If you've got children and you've not read these books to your children, read these books to your children. If you're an adult and you've not read the C.S. Lewis books, read the C.S. Lewis books. Wonderful allegories um, uh, stories that, that, that behind the story is the story of the gospel. The last battle which covers the return of, uh, of Jesus really, uh, C.S. Lewis puts it this way. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and in which every chapter is better than the one before. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. Amen. Will you stand please? Oftentimes with our communion, um, we rightly remember the death of Jesus on the cross. We thank him for his body broken, symbolised by the bread. We thank him for his blood spilt, symbolised by the, the, the grape juice that we drink. We recognise too, oh Jesus, you're present here with us right now as we eat this bread and drink this grape juice. But one of the primary purposes of communion in the early church was to, was to stir an anticipatory hope We're going to eat with him again. We're going to celebrate in the victory of Jesus when he returns. And so as we break bread this morning, Bill, are you ready to come and help us? Yeah, thank you. Well done. Oh, oh. Okay, we'll come to that in a moment. I didn't even see the guys at the back there. Great. uh, When we finish taking communion, before we have our application, we're going to welcome Esther Hope. And what a a great morning to have Esther Hope with us as we speak about the, the hope and the anticipation of the return of Jesus. So just start to come to the table. The guys are going to sing a great song about the return of Jesus. Pray for one another. 
join in with the song. And when you're done, when everyone's been around the tables, uh, please take your seats and we'll do some discussion. Um, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, this simple meal is for followers of Christ. But if you're ready to follow Jesus, come and take and eat. We'd love to pray with you and help you follow Christ for the first time this morning. Let's get around the table, beloved.